What do you know about the BBC? About its beginnings, its origins and lemons? <laughs> about its lighter side and how it has catered for the national sense of humour in the last 40 years by giving us something really solid to laugh at? Yes, the BBC. <laughs> we present a history of radio light entertainment, a frank, hard-hitting, no-punches-pulled investigation into how the BBC has developed and how jolly satisfied we all are with it. <laughs> but first, uh, a few lesser-known facts and figures. Did you know that three out of five Chinamen leads two? <laughs> and now some facts and figures about radio. Did you know that in 1964, the BBC broadcast one hour a day per head of the population, or to put it another way, half an hour per foot? <laughs> what is the average size of a radio audience? About five foot seven. <laughs> How many people work in broadcasting hunts? About half. <laughs> that is so old. <laughs> so are the people who work in broadcasting hunts. <laughs> Who is the man at the top of the BBC? I don't know, but I think he's going to jump. <laughs> How many outside broadcasts did the BBC produce in 1962? I find I don't know. Ask me now. What is, the... <laughs> what is the signature tune of I'm Sorry, I'll Read That Again? Oh, that's easy. It goes... This is I'm Sorry, I'll Read That Again. And in this final programme of the present series, we'll be trying to answer some of your questions about radio. When's it finishing? Oh, shut up. <laughs> the story of radio begins long ago. So come back with me into the dark recesses of remembered time. Oh, cheeky thing. <laughs> Here we go again. It was not until the beginning of this century that the dream of wireless communication became a reality when people first managed to get sounds out of a cat's whiskers. <laughs> so, let's turn back the clock. And consider the person who had so much to do with the birth of radio, the celebrated Marconi. Well, Ma, tell us all about it. I remember that day in my attic when I discovered the radio. I said, hey, Alberto, what's that funny old box in the corner? I don't know. Put it on and see. I'm worried about Jim. <laughs> and so it all began. Since that day, the globe has been ravaged by two world wars. Science has progressed by leaps and bounds. Man has walked in space. But in radio... Nothing has changed. I'm still worried about Jim. <laughs> In the early days, broadcasting was mainly done by radio hands. I'm worried about Jim. <laughs> but eventually, in a concrete bedroom in East Ham, the whole broadcasting service was conceived. Hey, fellas, I've just conceived the broadcasting service. I'm not surprised the amount of time you spend with that radio. <laughs> Hey, what shall we call it? I know, I know. How about the BBC? 
What does it stand for? Very little, I can tell you. No, 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 the initials. Oh, I don't know. Bonnie Bouncing Cabbage? Yes, or, or, or Big Bag of Crisps? I know. British Broadcasting Corporation. How very dull. <laughs> and so a name was chosen. And for two years, the Bawdy Boozing Club <laughs> broadcast two programmes a week until in 1922 it was granted an official charter uh, on condition that it changed its name. On July the 13th, 1922, the British Broadcasting Corporation, as it then was, broadcast this historic message to the nation. Good evening. Here is the news. <laughs> Mrs. Dale said earlier today that she was still worried about Jim. <laughs> but the British public reacted just as if they hadn't heard, which they hadn't as nobody had a radio set. <laughs> Nevertheless, the manufacturers caught on to the new idea, and by September, the BBC had a faithful listening audience of 32. And he listened faithfully till he was over 60. <laughs> <laughs> However, it soon became a status symbol to own a radio, and people showed them off like a new car. They cleaned them in the street on Sunday afternoon <laughs> and put little wheels on to take the children for rides. As more and more people listened to radio, the BBC became more ambitious and the programme grew and grew until Mrs. Dale's diary was twelve and a half hours long. <laughs> and then, one historic day, the BBC planning committee met for the first time. It's no good, it's no good. We've just got to have more than one programme. Gentlemen, gentlemen, gentlemen. Well, gentlemen, we are obviously divided. The only way to find out is to talk to a typical listener. You rang, sir? Well, I may have jangled a little. <laughs> now, Father Gill, which program on radio do you like most? Mrs. Dale's Diary, sir. Ah, yes, but which program do you dislike most? Mrs. Dale's Diary. Ah, <laughs> you see? Damnation. And so the controversy raged. Controversy. until a penniless bank clerk hit upon an idea for a brand new program which was to change the whole face of broadcasting. Hello, Bill. Are you back? Yes, Jean, I'm here. I'm here, too. We're both here, then. <laughs> it's wonderful to hear your voice again. Is it, Pat? Yes. It really is super. Really? Yes. Truly. Do you miss me, Lamb? Yes, very much, Squirrel. <laughs> Little Lamb misses her big squirrel then. <laughs> uh, Bill? Yes. Don't you think we ought to get on with the program? Oh, must we? Oh, I think so. <laughs> All right. Well, this is a, a really bumper bundle. I'll only have time to read a few of them. Corporal Limpy Smith of BAOR 25 requests this for the best girl in the world, Eileen. Private Higgs and Private Mendelbaum of BAOR 43 requested for the best girls in the world, Joyce and Kathleen and Brigadier Harcourt. <laughs> no, I, I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> and Brigadier Harcourt Thompson requested for Kinky. <laughs> and, and lots of others. They all asked for one particular record, though we're not going to play it. But instead, we are going to play a new record that we think contains all those different messages that all of you, wherever you are, so badly want to hear.
hard, hard life in the army. But, but don't worry, you'll soon be home on leave. Then, then we'll be together again, and with our friends and neighbors, we'll gather lilacs in a monastery garden. And, and you'll climb upon my knee, and, and side by side in the old rocking chair, we'll hum the trumpet voluntary, and we'll dance the anniversary waltz to extracts from the nun's chorus. And then, then I'll count the silver threads amongst the gold as hand in hand we jump over the white cliffs of Dover. And then, my old Dutch, we'll burst into tears. And remember, my dear, money can't buy you happiness. And they'll always be in England. And oh, don't forget the fruit gums, Mom. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. was creeping into BBC policy. Entertainment. <laughs> One program in particular stood out in the popularity poll. Bottom by miles. The Archers. It was a series about country folk with ordinary people in mind. We spoke to one of the creators. Yes, well, we decided that what the ordinary people wanted to listen to was ordinary people behaving just like ordinary people. <laughs> so we sent a chappy to find out what the ordinary people were doing with it. And what were they doing? Listening to the radio. <laughs> that wasn't a great success to start with. I mean, it isn't very exciting listening to people listening to the radio and hearing people listening to people on the radio listening to people, is it? <laughs> on the radio. So, uh, what did you do? Well, we snooped around a bit to find out what people were doing when they weren't listening to the radio and based our program on that. So that when people stopped doing whatever it was they were doing, they could turn on the radio and hear people going on doing what they'd just been doing, whatever it was, so they didn't have to do it themselves either. <laughs> Well, a serious group which mirrors the thoughts and events of national happenings. But while the archers remain bitingly relevant on all matters of political and social interest, the BBC has always been at pains to point out that it is in no way connected with the government, and it is certainly not a spokesman 
for government policies. Evening, Jack. Evening, Dad. Quiet at the bowl tonight, isn't it? Sure, not surprising, considering as how that Labour government has put up the price of beer again. <laughs> it's about time them there MPs up in Westminster thought more about boring old country folk like ourselves <laughs> and less about their yachts and fancy women, leastways that's how I see No, Jack, no, Jack, that's not fair. Oh. Mr Wilson is a boring old country folk just like you and me, you know. <laughs> They have to put up the price of beer, you see, so that we buy less. And the excess labour in the beer industry is free to make consumer durable for export to other countries. And this inspires confidence in the pound and allows them to drop the price of beer back to the original again. Ah, I never thought of that. No, <laughs> no, and not many people do. More is the pity, more is the more pity, is the pity. More is the more pity. Is the pity. Ah. More people thought of it. Well, yes, especially at this time of the year. What time? Time to renew your television and radio licenses, me old lovely. You wouldn't forget that. Ah, would you? Here comes Walter. Ah, so we do. Oh, uh, Ned, me old pal, me old beauty. <laughs> me old faggot, me old mangle world. <laughs> now, to what do we owe the honor of this visit then, Walter, me old fruit? Well, me old pal, me old beauty, me old faggot. I was a wondering if you'd seen anything of young Jim. Look at that young lad which drives his car around at such a speed. Hey, that's the one. Oh. <laughs> I've always a telling him that he must restrict his speed to 25 miles per hour in town and 45 miles per hour maximum on the main road. Oh, I'm always telling him that he must restrict his speed to 25 miles per hour in towns and 45 miles per hour maximum on the main roads as well. Oh, it's an important thing to remember that. What? To restrict your speed to 25 miles per hour in town and 45 miles per hour Maximum on the main road. Well, I come to think of it, I did see young Jim a week or two back driving his car through Ambridge at 32 miles an hour. Oh, dear, oh, dear, oh, dear. Walter, what, what, what's up then, Walter? Well, his mother said he didn't come home for his tea for the last two weeks. Like as what he always does. Oh, <laughs> oh no. I wonder. I wonder. But in spite of all this pandering to the public, the BBC is deeply aware of its duties in maintaining standards of good taste. And there is, of course, a BBC committee devoted to censoring things you might enjoy. I'm sorry. I'll, I'll read that again. And there is, of course, a BBC committee devoted to censoring. Things you might enjoy can easily be spoiled by lapses of taste. <laughs> yes, it is our duty to safeguard public morals and to spot the filthy obscene innuendos concealed in apparently harmless word or phrase. So we are actually planning to introduce a system whereby doubtful words are substituted by a harmless noise, a sort of auditory asterisk. The same system will apply to music, for instance. Then he'd turn now and then 
in this way, a song which sounds slightly suggestive can quite simply be made to sound absolutely filthy. <laughs> but as well as keeping up moral standards, the BBC has always played a great part in keeping up the spirits of the nation in time of stress. And in those darkest hours between supper time and breakfast, the British people have always been fettered and comforted by the sound of one voice. Ladies and gentlemen of Upper Wickham, I do. How are you? Well, tonight, Helen Pickle visits Upper Wickham. And you know, I can never visit Upper Wickham and see the lovely Priory without remembering the story of the Yorkshireman in Piccadilly Circus, who was walking along with a barrow full of manure. And he was stopped by a policeman who asked him where he was going with a barrow full of manure. To which the Yorkshireman replied, behind gum, lad, that monkey gone up, we might have monkey about a book. <laughs> <laughs> but straight away, let's have our first friend up from the audience. And our first guest, Wilfred, is Mr. Angus McGillicuddy from Wapping. <laughs> Well, Mr. McGillicuddy, or may I call you Angus? No, you may not. <laughs> now, Angus, Wilfred. tell us, what do you do for a living? Wilfred, I'm a pearl diver. Well, is that a fact? No, it's a lie. <laughs> Wilfred, Wilfred, I am in fact a retired musical comedian, and what is more, Wilfred, I told the first joke, the first joke Wilfred ever broadcast on radio. And will you tell it us now? Wilfred, I'd be very pleased and honoured to tell you that joke now, Wilfred. Here it is. My mother-in-law. My mother-in-law. <laughs> she's so fat <laughs> that when she walks down the street, <laughs> she looks like... <laughs> she looks like... Five dog fighting in a sack. <laughs> You've ruined good. me joke, Wilfred. Oh. <laughs> You've ruined me joke. Oh, well, never mind. Now, tell us. Have you ever had any embarrassing experiences? No, Wilfred, no. Oh. Well, is there any one thing in life, one thing you enjoy more than anything else in the whole of the world? No. <laughs> well, if you were king of the world, is there anything you'd like to see changed? No. I think you've given him the wrong script, Mabel. <laughs> anyway, now it's time for the jackpot. Oh. <laughs> and what have we got on the table, Mabel? Well, this week, Wilfred, on the table with a tablecloth, some knives and forks, a bottle of brown sauce and some salt and pepper, and meat. <laughs> and here is the question. If it takes two men four years to walk an elephant, how long is a rhubarb chart? <laughs> I'm going to have a guess, Wilfred. I'll have a guess. Um, uh, four weeks and a wombat. No. <laughs> but now it's time for us to go. So join us again next week with Harry Hudson at the piano and Mabel at the table, ready for another spot of homely fun presenting the people to the people. Until then... Cheerio, Upper Wickham. Cheerio. But 
another challenge was just around the corner. The pop boom. <laughs> A challenge that still faces the BBC today, and the chiefs are still arguing over how to treat pop music. Take no notice, that will go away. No, no, I doubt it. I doubt it. But why do people want to listen to this sort of beat music? I mean, we don't have sex on the radio, do we? I wouldn't know, sir. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose this demand for more music will have to be met. Oh, yeah, I think we do quite enough, really. I mean, we've got morning music and those were the days. Yes, that's just the trouble. Unless, of course, we could pop them up a bit. Pop them up a what, sir? <laughs> it is this kind of forthright, relevant discussion that produces decisions in the BBC. And plans have now been formulated to increase the output of pop music by slightly altering the composition of existing programmes. For example, here is a brief rundown of a typical morning next April. 5 a.m. till 7. Swing till 7. 7 till 7.30. Swing till 7.30. 7.30 till 9. Swing into morning. 9 till 1. Swing up to news time. 1 till 1.10. Swing right through news time. <laughs> anyway, we believe that the present pop programs bring pop music to the teenagers in a way that only the BBC can. <laughs> Sunday show, Deadbeat. <laughs> Topping the latest releases, of course, is the fabulous All I Really Want to Do is You. Sung... <laughs> Sung by the Birdies. And, of course, the big record in the States this year is, yes, All I Really Want to Do is You, sung by the Birdies. And so today, live on Deadbeat, we've got all I really want to do is you, sung by, yes, Angus Prune and Rosie Bedrock. <laughs> oh, well, yes. that should be enough to remind you of the real thing. <laughs> now, this week's special guests are the boys who made worldwide hits with those fabulous oldies, Mrs. Brown, you've got a lovely daughter, and I'm Henry the Eighth, I am, so here to follow up the new trend for old songs, it's Timothy's Termites. <laughs>
so, leafing through the pages of the BBC story, we have arrived at the present time. Happy Christmas. I do hope you like it. <laughs> what lies ahead? Who knows? What changes will occur? Who knows? What will the new pattern of broadcasting be? Who knows? Who knows what lies ahead? Who knows? As we close the book for the moment, who knows what may have happened by the time it is opened again? You're tuned to wholesome, unbeatable BBC, bright, breezy, and cheerful. Everybody's favorite auntie. And it's a good, good evening to you, you, you. <laughs> Time now for the weather. There it is, friends, till tomorrow. Same time, same spot on the dial, when we'll be introducing another bumper show by saying good evening. Here is the news. Hello? This is the late, late float show. Who am I speaking to? I'll read that again, but you may like to know that the program will be returned.